Okay, welcome, Margot Rush. We're doing this recording today. I'm very excited to talk to you about what you call a quiet practice or what other people might know as meditation or breath awareness practice. So I'm excited to hear more about what you do and why it benefits you. And maybe through this conversation, we can inspire others to take up a mindfulness practice. So welcome. Thank you, Jill. It's yeah. really a delight to be here with you. Yeah, I love seeing you, talking to you, feeling you. You have a lot of insight to share. Every time you jump on the, the, the yoga class calls, I, I always feel like you bring so much. So I'm really glad you were open to sharing more about, yeah. about this quiet practice. So do you want to just briefly describe, I mean, you sent me kind of the breakdown of what this quiet practice is. Do you think you could just describe it in simple terms, what, what it is that you do? Sure. Quiet practice is uh, a term that was chosen because there are so many different styles of meditation. And this is really a very basic, simple practice to bring quiet, to bring quiet to, um, to our personalities, to our bodies, our emotions, our minds, so that we can hear our inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. Because when there's a lot of, lot of noise, if you will, it's, it's hard to hear that uh, sound of soul, that, that note, that still small voice within. So there are four simple steps. Uh, the first one in, is, involves the breath, and it's focusing on the lower lobes of the lungs and just breathing in with the shoulders relaxed into the lower lobes of the lungs, and then forcefully expelling it by drawing the diaphragm back to the spine. And what this does is it helps to relax the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. That helps to, to quiet the emotions and uh, breath itself certainly helps to quiet everything. Mm -hmm. The second step is focusing, bringing the attention to the ankles and the feet. And what this is rather like the third prong on a plug. It helps to ground any static in the field of the electrical, electrical magnetic energy that we are as human beings. So it's a ground, it's a grounding. Um, and one could imagine standing up to one's knees in the earth or just simply by focusing on the ankles and feet, that grounding happens. And, and, and after a while, depending on the busyness of the mind, that will just calm and quiet the mind. And then once one is, has stayed at the magnet until that, that quiet, and you can feel the quiet beginning to, uh, to emerge as the mind stills itself. Thoughts still come, but they're um, not as frequent and not as frenzied. And then the third step is imagining a magnet about six inches or 15 centimeters above the top of the head. And I notice even now as I'm describing this to you that I want to sit up a little more upright, a little straighter. So it's as if the, um, the lines of energy in our bodies 
are coming into alignment with this magnet, if you will, or could say crown chakra as well, but just simply calling it the magnet is, is simple. And as I keep my focus here, eventually, a few minutes later, it will shift to my heart, my heart center. And there is a, a flow of love and light through that center to all of humanity. And it's, it's happening whether we're aware of it or not. So simply by bringing one's focus to, to this center, I could imagine it in the, in the middle of my breastbone or between my shoulder blades, but generally I'll, I'll envision it in, in the center of my breastbone. And whether I feel the energy of that love flowing or not is, is uh, really immaterial, just, just the, to know that it is happening. And by participating and, and focusing here that I am contributing to bringing this quality of love and light to all of humanity. So those are the four steps. Okay, can I try to reflect back quiet. to you? Can I try to reflect them back to you? I'm sorry, you froze a bit there. Oh, sorry. Can I try to reflect them back to you? Thank you, yes. Okay, so step one would be focusing on the breath and especially in the lower region of the lungs and perhaps uh, you'll have to help me remember towards the end or you know once you've found your breath and it's kind of a forceful exhalation emptying the bottom of the lungs kind of drying the diaphragm in and up to to help stimulate this kind of calming effect through perhaps the vagus nerve or so yeah. the nervous system settles and then the second step would be to ground or root or connect through feet and ankles in the direction of earth. And third step would be focusing somewhere above the top of the head and feeling some of this magnetism in that direction. And mm -hmm. fourth step would be focused around heart center, the flow of love and sharing that with humanity. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So how long does this practice take you and do you, how often do you do it? Well, I could do it several times a day. Initially, it took me about 20 minutes. Um, now I can do a quick, quiet practice, you know, just in a minute or two. Mm -hmm. um, depending on, on the kind of day that I'm having as well. You know, I may, I may need to take much longer at my ankles and feet. And if my mind starts to wander, uh, then I will go back to my ankles and feet during the practice. Mm -hmm. um, during the day also, I find if I'm in a situation where emotions are, are getting tense, or even if I'm standing in the grocery lineup and uh, people are stressed, when I go to the magnet, I'm also affecting the field, not only my own field, bringing it to calm and peace, but I'm also affecting the field around me. 
And that's what I'm calling service, the quality of life, quality of energy that we bring to whatever we're doing, wherever we are. Mm -hmm. So is this the first meditation practice that you've tried and you've stuck with it from beginning to end? Or before this, did you try other types of meditation? Yes, yes. Okay. And do you want to talk about that a little bit and or sure. what, are you settled on this now? Do you anticipate this is going to be your meditative practice moving forward or? Okay, um, this is the basis of my practice, but there's certainly other meditations that I, I do on a daily basis. I started meditating, oh gosh, I guess I was introduced to it as a teenager. And uh, we just had a silence at the church that I went to, and we were to tune with, turn within and listen to the still small voice of God within. So this is how, how it started as a teenager. And then early 20s, I discovered Zen Buddhism and uh, had some exploration there. I, <clears throat> pardon me, I've been searching, searching and searching. Um, I was a devotee of Sri Chinmoy for a few years and Baba Muktananda. So kind of going as this exploration of more a devotional path. And then almost 30 years ago now, uh, I met someone who is my current teacher or mentor. And I recognized that the quality of life that he was living was something that I wanted to learn. So it wasn't so much uh, a devotional practice any longer. It was, um, it was a jump to something different. Um, so we began with the quiet practice and it's since evolved over the last 30 years to uh, something called the group service meditation. So the idea of uh, when, when two or more are meditating, that uh, they're extra, it's, it's exponential. So it's actually the energy of four meditating. So working on group service and group consciousness and cool. uh, world service. Cool. So I asked that question because I too, I've been, you know, a seeker searching since I can remember, I remember, and I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but I remember reading like the Carlos Castaneda, Don Juan books when I was a kid, you know, like 12 or 13 or 14 and thinking like, why are they talking about this ball of light and the abdomen and time travel? And, you know, I wanted to know more. And so my search started really early and then I went to India three times and learned all kinds of different techniques. They were, they were varied, right? I, I remember learning like Tretak in the beginning, just this candle gazing to help um, learn focus. And then I remember learning meditations, you know, that, that where we, where I'd repeat a, a mantra such as so hum with the breath, you know, inhale, so exhale, hum, inhale, so exhale, hum, I am this, this I am, you know, this kind of something to, I, I feel like all these techniques, especially in the beginning, were 
practices that were helping me to stay with one focus, stay with one, uh, one item or one sound of, to concentrate my attention towards. And then, you know, I stumbled across other teachers too, who were teaching like visualizations. Um, and at one point I stumbled across like Merkaba meditations that were very complex, you know, it was this color and that color and this shape and that shape. And so I've tried a lot of different meditations is what I'm trying to say. And, and they were all useful. They were all served me in the sense of exploring, right? Like, does this work for me? How do, how do I feel before, during, and after all of these different attempts and techniques? And at some point, I came across Vipassana meditation. Have you, do you know what Vipassana meditation is? Have you tried? I, I haven't attended Vipassana meditation, okay. but I, I have several friends who have participated in, in many. So okay. I, I've only heard through them. Okay. Yes. So the basis is, and I'll explain it, not just for you, I'm sure you know quite a bit about what it might be, but maybe there, maybe we end up sharing this conversation and, and it might be useful to others. So Vipassana essentially means observing what is. Mm -hmm. So, or, you know, being with the reality of what is. The silent watcher. Yeah. Yeah. And the, what struck me about Vipassana meditation was that it afforded me an opportunity to witness the reality of what was going on inside of me, whether that meant it had the quality of contraction or expansion, whether that meant that within me I was experiencing pain or pleasure, whether that meant, you know, I felt dense or I felt light or I could perceive hot or cold. You know, I was, I was witnessing the reality of what was going on inside of me. And learning Vipassana definitely shifted my thinking about all these other kinds of meditative techniques. So I'm eventually going to ask you to rebound off of this. But what the point I'm trying to bring up is when I hear you speak about this quiet practice and when you first sent me it and I did, I actually listened to the, um, the recording and I took myself through it, what I found in, comp in comparison to what I do in my Vipassana meditation is an imposition of what I wanted to feel. Do you know what I mean? Because in my meditation, my Vipassana meditation practice, I'm in relationship with the reality of what's going on inside of my body. Now, some days, some moments feel extremely balanced, extremely grounded, or extremely open, or extremely heart flowy, or blissful. And other moments, or other days, or other sits, I just recognize there is maybe worry, fear, anger, frustration, pain, heaviness, block blocked feelings, tight feelings, imbalanced feelings inside of myself. And according to the teachings of Vipassana, essentially on this, uh, in this process of liberating ourselves from 
our patterns or our sankaras or our impressions, in that philosophy, the idea is that as we stay with what is, it gets burned up. You know, it's like we burn through that experience. If it's pain, we allow ourselves to feel pain. And as we embody that experience, embody that reality, as we embrace it or be with it, it's transmuted. It's, it's, it's being let go. And part of my, I don't know if I want to call it hesitation, me looking to clarify what your practice is, or, you know, if we were to share it with other people, you know, we, for those of you listening, Margo and I are both in this online community and where people support each other in, in mindfulness practices. I would want to clarify before I share it, what I really would want to clarify or make clear to people, whether they choose to try it or not, is that even if, because I, I agree, it's a powerful, simple, quiet practice, right? It, it, it takes us to the basics of breath and that deep, um, I don't know if it's controlled breathing, but directed breathing, especially around the diaphragm, it definitely influences the vagus nerve and no doubt about it, it would trigger a, a calming response in the nervous system. And then rooting or, you know, getting down into the feet, finding the earth, noticing the lower half of the body and, and, and resting it and connecting it and grounding it. Also, I think, gives us that feeling of like uh, connection, letting go. And then, you know, rising back up to the head and noticing, okay, this is, this is earth, this is sky, this is light, this is you know, we, we definitely create this, I'd say, better balance, you know, earth and sky, down below, up above, and then taking our attention to the heart center, I imagine, too, it's like, okay, well, now I'm, I'm noticing the region of love, I'm noticing the region where, where there could be an outpouring of this, this feeling of compassion or, or, or hope that humanity you know, experiences bliss and joy and peace and all of it. But part of me questions if that isn't overriding the reality of what goes on inside of us, where it's more under the surface, right? Like under the surface, there's still fear under the surface. There's still anger under the surface. There's still um, hatred. There's still um, aggression, violence, you know, whatever, whatever all these more base feelings that we have are and and do you have anything to say about that kind of is there something about this practice that that honors or allows us a moment or opportunity to experience and accept those other things that aren't balanced open and heartfelt yes okay um First of all, I would like to address um, all of that is going on. This is part of a practice to, yes, I accept that all of that is going on and to and acknowledge it and yet 
leave it to one side, if you will, leave the focus. So the focus isn't, isn't on, the, on the lungs or the ground or the feet. It's on the energy that we are, okay? All of the stuff that's going on, sure we've got a physical body and we've got an emotional body and we have a mental body and we have a personality that manages all of that. And we also have a soul. And this personality and these three bodies are an instrument or a vehicle for this soul. Now there are many ways to to come to that, I propose that um, any kind of dis-ease is the result of the lack of the free flow of soul. Now, um, the meridians are underneath that. The nadis, if you will, are underneath that. So by keeping the focus on a higher frequency, that higher frequency is that is invoked and as it's evoked through all of those bodies it's healing so i'm doing this not only for myself for oneself but it's also as a sample of humanity so healing humanity if you will um so i'm not really even focused on on uh, my lungs per se, once I'm started, it's okay. <sighs> that extension of the, of the, um, the solar plexus area, and then <sighs> back to the spine, and then just noticing, not describing, not looking for anything, but just noticing as you're describing in Vipassana, I'm just noticing, oh, okay. All right, now if I just bring my attention to my ankles and my feet, what am I noticing energetically? What's the quality of life there? I'm not thinking about the earth or my feet. So that just happens to be where my attention is for a moment. So that all of that quiets for the time being. I mean, it's still there, but at some point, if I'm just thinking of, of things as of, of life really as energy and different frequencies of energy, the higher and finer actually helps to, to heal, soothe, straighten out, clear, if you will, refine mm -hmm. the other energies. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm at the magnets, I'm not even thinking about the polarities. I'm, I'm, I've just let go of the breath. I've let go of the sense of grounding. It's there. I mean, we need, we need a positive and negative uh, pole on a battery in order to, to, for there to be light. So definitely that negative polarity or grounding is there, but that's not where my focus is at the moment. It then is just here, it's just energy. Okay, so what, what am I noticing now that I'm, what's the quality of life that I'm living now? So it's a depersonalization in a way, a decentralization. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's a basic, it's just a basic step. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you say this again, second round, or as we go back and forth, I, and as I, you know, just gently feel it in my body as you use those words, I think that clarifies for me too, and maybe for people who are listening, if they were to give it a try, that it's not so much an instruction necessarily, because maybe when I first 
um, tried it or, or even in the first round where you described it today, maybe it's just my perception that it sounds like something we do, right? We do this breath and then we do this grounding and then we do this rising mm -hmm. and then we do this flow, you yeah. know? So maybe it, it, what more what you're trying to, to teach me, share with me is this, um, for clarification's sake, it's like we're bringing our attention to the breath and perhaps there's some, you know, gentle technique that you're, you're sharing, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say control, but, you know, you're, whether you're, you know, drawing that navel in or that forceful exhalation, the first few moments or whatever, eventually I'm supposing that that's a little bit like an object of attention so that we just begin to notice breath or we begin to, to take our breath mm. deeper or make our connection deeper to breath. Or do you want to respond to that? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not even our connection to our breath at that point. Um, it's, it's to, it's to quiet the emotion. So the, that deep, um, the ex, you know, the expansion of this theory around the solar plexus and the in-breath and that it, it is almost like, I think, a control, mm -hmm. you know, it's control a technique, action. technique, maybe to... But yeah, it's yeah. a technique. Okay, thank you. So, so that the emotions quiet. Quiet, yeah. 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 Yep. And there is, there's so much research going on about the vagus nerve, right? Like, exactly. so yes. fascinating. I'm so yeah. happy that science is catching yeah. on, or, or modern science anyways, because these, yeah. these are old sciences, right? We're talking about yoga and Ayurveda and, you know, probably yeah. Chinese medicine would tell us the same thing, things that have been around forever, right? Yes. We're mentioning yoga, this is Raja yoga. This is Raja Yoga, and it's it's part of um, which is the yoga of of the mind rather than Hatha. You know, as you were saying in, on one of our classes, you know, Hatha was preparing us for for meditation. Yeah. So um, this is using the mind to to accomplish that to to develop the consciousness, um, and um, also study, you know, part of, part of my practice has been studying the yoga sutras of, of Patanjali and um, any kind of esoteric or uh, I'll use the word occult, which means hidden, uh, abstract reading. So it, it could be um, any of the, the various religious texts, but it could also be um, string theory, you know, something that, that our concrete mind can, um, can focus on so and that as we're struggling to understand something that sparks the intuition mm -hmm. and the intuition is is our inner wisdom yeah so okay let's go back to again and we can go back and forth and back and forth but to this if i'm understanding more clearly more deeply as we speak um instead of me perceiving the, the steps, one, two, three, four, as something that we do, although maybe initially that, that breathing is a technique, that, that is something we're doing perhaps, then mm -hmm. in the second step or stage of the practice, instead of necessarily 
directing energy to ground, we're just taking our attention to the lower half of the body, which inherently will be close to the earth or the chair or the feet or the floor, so that we're noticing perhaps that that area, maybe there's nothing to do. Maybe there's, there's nothing that, that we're directing. Maybe it's just we're, we're conscious of it. And then as we come up higher, mm-hmm. again, if I'm correct, correctly understanding you, it's not so much that we're drawing energy up to this magnet, but we're aware that there is something above us, beyond us. And if we've just been down below, as we take our, our attention up higher, we'll, we'll inherently be noticing different parts of the body or different places in the body. Okay, yes, and we're noticing different places in our etheric body, in our energy body. So merely by energy follows thought, you know, that's a fact, energy follows thought. And so just by bringing my attention to my energy to my feet and ankles without thinking about it, without even noticing all of a sudden, oh, okay, there's a, hmm, that's a different frequency. That's a different feeling. Uh, and I, I mean, I could, if I, if I brought it back to my body at that point, I, I might notice a tingling in my feet mm-hmm. or, um, but I'm primarily staying with the energy itself, the energy of the etheric body. Okay, and then, uh, I mean, all of this already is, you know, we, we do have a, our, our crown chakra, we do our magnet, I'm calling it magnet for simplification. It's here, you know, that this beautiful thousand petaled lotus and with all its, its petals unfolding in, in different, different states and different stages. And, and um, but that, then my mind starts to go there, right? And I just want to stay with the energy. So I'll call it a magnet and, oh, okay. Mm. Oh. So it's, what I love about the yoga that we share that the, the, um, the, in the lineage of Vanda Scaravelli is, is it's bringing that same awareness of energy and, and yet we're noticing it in the body where in this practice, it's, it's, we're just kind of staying with the energy. I'm still grounded. I still have this vehicle, this, this um, instrument to, to use and to navigate around the, the planet, but it's really a, a vehicle for my soul. And, and what's my soul's purpose here this lifetime? What am I here to learn? What am I here to, to contribute to humanity? How, how is the evolution of of consciousness, of my consciousness, of consciousness of humanity evolving so that it's a better world for, for everyone, for the common good. And it's just a simple, uh, simple practice of awareness, I suppose. Yeah. And there are well, many, there yeah. are many, all roads lead to Rome and all of that. Totally, totally. So can I ask you then, do you, what if, you know, I, we, we publish our talk and I have listeners that are like energy. What do you mean energy? I don't feel energy. So then can somebody who doesn't have that quality of attention or that, that deeper relationship to their body or their, their more subtle bodies, can they do this practice? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, seeing a, seeing a beautiful flower or, or a, listening to a child laugh, what, what's the feeling that's evoked? Or conversely, you know, when, when um, someone in the room is angry, what, what do you notice then? I mean, you might just kind of feel tense or, or maybe a little scared or um, watching a beautiful sunset and oh gosh, the beauty that's revealed and oh, I just feel relaxed and, and joyful and peaceful. And, and it's, it's that that I'm referring to as energy. It's, it's, emo, it's emotional energy. There, there, emotion, there is emotional energy, but there are also, I think of, of energy as being different. Um, I don't know what the quantity is. Different. Um, hertz. Or... Her, hertz, yeah, for sure. Different hertz. So with music, you know, we've got uh, different hertz and, and the finer we go. So that's essentially what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's the different yeah. number of hertz. Yes, but some people for sure are, or at least um, maybe everybody can perceive, but some people for sure would hear this and go like, yeah, no, I can't feel energy. Like, no, I can't. Okay. I'm not in tune with enough with myself. Like I can barely feel my physical body, let alone my energy body. Okay. All right. So to start, um, I don't know. It's there's something about acting as if. Well, let me see. Might I consider that it might be possible that I might be capable? You know, I'm a human being, and other human beings seem to be able to do this. So maybe I could. Yeah, I Why love not? that. Yeah, no, I love that. That's such a good point. It's like, if anybody's listening, if we end up publishing this and, and somebody's listening and, and they have that response, like that sounds too ethereal to me. Like, I don't know, that sounds too not practical enough. I think that is what you're saying is key. You know, if you are interested in discovering more about your inner world or connecting more uh, or finding inner peace or finding inner calm or, um, establishing some connection to your intuition or to your heart center. I think you do have to start with an open mind, even if you don't know where to begin or how to begin, that is the first step, right? Is this, mm -hmm. this openness, like, well, I trust, I can learn, even if you don't know yet, if you begin, if you begin to close your eyes, if you begin to notice breath, or you begin to recognize that you can focus your attention where you want you know you can while you're sitting let every sound and every sensation and um, every thought take you wherever or you can work at drawing your attention to some specific place in this practice where you know there's these four different places in Vipassana it would be from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet and the bottom of the feet to the top of the head and following the in-breath in and out. So I think, you know, you can learn to refine your attention and refine your awareness through those practices. So good point. As long as you believe you can, it will be a process of um, learning the skill of attention from maybe the more 
starting with something very gross and obvious to something more subtle and 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 more under the surface mm -hmm. yes did you want to add something else I, well, I, just just that i've always really admired um how your what i experienced in your presence of of um just such a beautiful ability to introduce uh, new concepts to people in a very simple and easy to understand way. It's a real gift, Jill. Oh, well, I, you know, I really think all of these practices, yoga and meditation and breath awareness and all these, um, yeah, ancient teachings, inherently they're very simple. And as long as one begins, you know, anybody can start to receive the profound benefits. And for myself, I don't, I still feel like a beginner. You know, I still feel like every day we start again, every day we, we, we do exactly what we were just talking about. Like, I don't think I can do this. Like, well, I'll try, I'll try. I'm gonna get on my mat again. I don't really feel like being here. Well, come on, you know, it's good for you. So I think, you know, we're, we're not all that different whether we've been doing these things for a couple decades or more, or if we're just starting out, I don't think it's that different. You know, I, I, I also feel very much like a beginner. So I have a question. It, um, it actually very serendipitously arose today. One of my um, students wrote and said, I'm, I'm trying to do what you've suggested, close my eyes and watch my breath, but my, my thoughts just won't stop. And I thought, oh, it's such a good, um, verbalization of what everybody I think experiences when they begin these kind of practices so maybe us addressing this we'll go back and forth I'd love to hear what you have to say about what I responded to this lady I said well you're normal like nobody can stop their thoughts <laughs> that's like telling the eyes to stop seeing or telling the ears to stop hearing our brain thinks that's just the reality of it it just forms these thoughts and in this constant stream of consciousness that we have and I think it's worth clarifying if people are tuning in to learn more about meditation or mindfulness practice that the goal isn't to stop thinking I think what we're training or learn the, the skill that we're learning is to identify less with those thoughts so they're happening those you know oh, I should call so-and-so. Oh, I really, I love those shoes that so-and-so is wearing. Like, oh, darn, I forgot to um, pick up this thing that I said. You know, all those thoughts are going to continue to play through our minds. But I think what we begin to do in these mindfulness practices is to disengage from that constant stream of consciousness. So I might describe it like, well, the thoughts are over there, kind of like background music or, you know, like clouds passing in front of the sky. But I don't have to focus on that radio station. I don't have to focus on the clouds in the sky. I can tune into, I can take my awareness, if we were using your quiet practice, to breath, to the root, to the sky, to the heart. Or if we were using my mindfulness practice, the thoughts are going on, but I'm, I'm allowing myself to focus my attention more on sensations in the body and breath. So I think we just get better and better at 
not getting pulled into the thoughts, not conversing with our thoughts, not identifying with our thoughts. They're always there, but we're just, we're letting them happen. Did you want to add or respond to that? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the thoughts, um, in fact, I read something in um, oh, the magazine, The Lion's Roar. Do you know The Lion's Roar? I don't know it. Uh, it it's a Shamba, um, the, the Tibetan Buddhist um, meditation group called Shambhala, and it's their, their magazine. And um, it was some researchers at MIT in, in Boston that um, were doing research with meditators. I think they may even have been using Tibetan monks. And what they, they noticed is that <clears throat> even when the, the monks were in this high, fine state or deep state, if you will, of meditation, that as the, the as the energy or the presence was being registered that, that it would come into the brain and the brain would take it and then a thought would come. Now, I think, who knows what, what a thought would be in, a, in the mind of a Tibetan monk, but um, yes, just, just to notice that. This is actually an, a normal function of the brain to create these thoughts. Mm -hmm. So as you're saying, just, um, I'll just put that aside. You know, if I need to think about something, if something comes to me that, oh gosh, this needs some pondering. Okay, I'll just put it aside or I'll just notice that it's coming and going and, and continue to bring my attention, my awareness back to mm -hmm. the breath, if you will, or the, uh, the frequency of the hurts, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even what's the intention of my meditation? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I love it, Margot. I mean, I think already, you know, people could take, could hear this and take away some ideas or some, maybe eliminate some of the roadblocks that they think, you know, were so huge to starting a practice. And I don't know if we, we could include a link or something if we want to get this out there to people through a podcast or something, a link that, that could direct people to that kind of practice. I'd be happy to add a link to the Vipassana meditation I do. But I think if anybody is listening and they're thinking, well, that sounds interesting or that sounds doable or, you know, through us addressing some of those obstacles or, you know, me questioning exactly it is, what it is you do, if that made it seem more available more accessible I highly recommend if you're listening to just give it a go because it really is you know and my podcast is called the first step for that reason there that first step is the really important thing and literally that's all we're all doing every day is is starting to recognize this inner world which which I think is just so absent or void in our culture right so anything anybody does any first step anybody takes in that direction of closing the eyes and witnessing you know what is inside here and if it isn't this quiet practice that Margot's um, introducing to us or if it isn't Vipassana which I would highly recommend there's others right there are tons of ways to get in touch with the inner world and when you do then you you are empowered to I think 
you have more choice, you have more presence in your life, and you're less bound to reactive patterns that are born out of, you know, subconscious, unconscious um, reactions to the experiences in life. So I hope we inspire somebody to turn within. Um, and I will definitely link up some of the um, resources that either you and I could uh, provide. And unless you have something else to add, I'll, you know, we'll wrap it up and I'll make sure that, that we get this out there. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Thank you for your service, Jill. Ah, oh, thank you, sister. Blessings.